This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Today we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the second letter, by the way, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now, as you see, he starts out here with his usual customary greeting. Now, one note is that this 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 4, the note here to make is that Silvanus is Silas. That was his other name. That's what they called him. And see, Paul wrote this letter from Corinth less than a year after he wrote 1 Thessalonians. He and his companions, Timothy and Silas, had visited Thessalonica on Paul's second missionary journey. And you'll read about that in Acts 17, verses 1 through 10. Now, they established the church there, but Paul had to leave suddenly because persecution broke out. The Jews in that town began to riot and threaten everybody. And so Paul was in danger as well as his traveling companions, but mostly Paul. So Paul here, actually, when he's speaking to the Thessalonians, and he says to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it sounds an awful lot like he's repeating himself, but here, with this particular church, there was some significance to that. Because those Thessalonian believers were enduring some severe persecution. We should all view Paul's letters to the Thessalonians as a pastoral attempt to change their and our perspective regarding several aspects of the Christian faith. You say, well, what would that be? Well, for example, we can take the opening of the second letter as an attempt by Paul to help us gain the right perspective. You see, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and grace to you, etc. The first change of perspective from this greeting is the very fact that Paul is writing them. You say, well, of course he wrote it. You know, he wrote the letter to 2 Thessalonians. But imagine the joy they would have in hearing from Paul and in Paul's identifying them as the church in Thessalonica. They were the people who had been called out by God. They were God's outpost in that city. And also notice that Paul's shaping their identity. These Christians in Thessalonica were in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, he said that to all the others. And that's true of all those other letters as well. He's telling them that your identity, your very personhood, can be found in Jesus. And I saw this little poster one time that said, Life without Jesus is like a broken pencil. It has no point. And that's what Paul is trying to get across here. Folks, you guys have it. You guys are the church in Thessalonica. So hang in there. And don't give up. How many times have we heard the don't give up thing throughout our search through the New Testament here in Colossians and 1st and 2nd Timothy? Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. I think that God's trying to tell us something there. 
What do you think he's trying to tell us? Don't give up. Good. Okay. We're razor sharp today. Now, finally, Paul is encouraging us in this greeting to gain the right perspective on what God has done for us. Not only does he describe us as a church, as being hidden in the Father and the Son, but he says this is possible through the grace and peace of God. God's own action, God's own initiative, is undergirding our status before Him. It is God's grace that has made us part of the church, and it is God's grace that has placed us in Him. This is God's grace at work bringing us peace. See, it all ties together. God is at work. He's working in our lives, and He's trying to teach us something. Now, we still continue on more on verse 2. Paul often would begin his letters again with that greeting, greeting of grace and peace. And grace, as we know, is God's unmerited favor. In other words, he's given us stuff we don't deserve. And his mercy is what? Anybody remember? Yeah, not getting what we do deserve. And so Paul is emphasizing that point, And he can't drive it home enough simply because... It is important for all of us who are followers of Christ to keep in mind that we are followers of Christ by His grace and grace only. We didn't do anything to get that. We didn't earn our way there since it's impossible to do that. So it's His grace that does that and we have to keep that in mind. And we say, yes, Lord, thank you for your grace because without you, I would be total mess or something like that. Now, we move on to verse 3. And Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. It means they're coming together more and more and more and getting closer together as a church. It means they actually love hanging out together. I mean, going to the local whatever and sitting there and just talking and spending time with one another when they're not in worship. They were that close. They were getting that personally intimate with one another. And what we indicate here, what we see here, is that Paul is saying there has a radical change that has happened in the lives of those people. And it's sort of like where... I had a student at one point who had a bad impression of their own ability and capacity to do the work. In other words, they thought they were dumb. And I talked to them and worked with them and said, no, 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 no. God made you, since this is a Christian school, I can do that. And he gave you your abilities. You are not dumb. And I don't ever want to hear you say that again. And I don't want you to think that again. Just because I say I don't want to hear you say it doesn't mean I want you to go say it somewhere else so I can't hear you. I want to make sure that you never say that again. This person, this student, had an attitude adjustment, as it were, as a result of that. And guess what? Because they changed their mindset, which is what happens when we repent, we changed our mindset, and that student began making B's and C's instead of D's and F's. 
No, they didn't shoot up to get on the honor roll, but there was a marked improvement in this student's ability. The change was evident, and that's what's going on here with the Thessalonians. There was a change that was evident in them because they had been pagans before. They had worshipped gods of chunks of wood and stone and, you know, whatever. But Paul come in there and preaching the gospel, they changed, they believed in Jesus, and there was this remarkable change in them. And it was so noticeable that other people were talking about the Thessalonians. Now, mind you, we don't want to change and become more like Jesus just so we can think that maybe some other people might be saying good things about us. They didn't do it for that reason. They saw the blessing and the benefit and the change that came from believing in Jesus from the life they had before where they bowed down to chunks of rock. But now they served a living God and it worked its way all the way through them and it was evident in how they behaved and believed. Now, Spurgeon says about verse 3, we must beware of imagining that we have reached a state of finality in religion. Beware of that spirit, but rather imitate the example of the Apostle Paul who wrote, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And yes, that's a quote from Philippians 3. But we need to, Spurgeon says we need to be like that. We need to have that passage in Philippians be reflected in our lives. We are not content with merely being alive or simply existing. We wish to be healthy, spiritually healthy, mentally and emotionally healthy. And we ought not to be satisfied with just being saved. Just knowing that I'll make it through the gate and I'll be happy just to have a spot inside the gate rather than outside. He says we need to desire to have our faith in full strength and to have all our graces at the highest degree of development. And you say, whoa, that's deep. Well, yeah, but it's called maturing in Christ. And by the way, if I haven't ever said this before, I'm going to say it now. God, through Christ, has the right to expect that at some time we're going to grow up in our faith. He expects that. He believes in that. He wants us to achieve and do what Spurgeon was saying, not be content just to be saved, but to want to be more like Jesus and to grow in our faith and trust so that we reflect that to the world around us. People will just notice that there's something different. And it ought to be that way. And that's what the Lord is working for. That's why he died. That's why we can come to him is so we can indeed grow up. Therefore, verse 4, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Persevering in faith in the midst of difficult trials is not an automatic happening, by the way. Trials test the genuineness of our faith, don't they? Jesus spoke about the seed sown on the rocky soil that withers when the sun beats down on the new plant. 
He explained the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the one who, or man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root and it's only temporary because when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately that person falls away. The key is to send down deep roots in the word. How many times have we heard that? Get down and deep into the word when times are easier. Use of that time. Don't say, oh, yeah, I got it. I mean, I'm cool. Everything's fine now. And then kind of blow off your devotion time. It's in those times that we need to get deeper in the word. When the tough stuff happens, we will be able to persevere in that time. And I can promise you faithfully, that is extremely important. When tough times come, we need to be firmly rooted so we don't freak out or fall apart. It's necessary. And it is hard. I can promise you that too. But it's something we all need to aspire to do. Because when the temptations, when the trials, when the persecution, when it starts happening and everything looks like it's going straight down the tubes, we need to be mature enough in Christ so that we don't fall apart. And our strength, like the Thessalonians in persecution, shows so much that it is an example to other churches and other believers. And that's what Paul's trying to tell them there. And he's saying, hey, you guys are doing great. But guess what? Don't stop. Keep going. Press on towards the mark of the upward call of God in Christ. And hang in there because it's worth every bit of hanging in there. And that's Paul's word to us today too. Hang in there no matter how difficult it gets because hanging in there is worth it. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.